Praise the Lord. Welcome, brothers and sisters, friends of Slavic Christian Center Youth. It's good to see you here. It's good to see you here. It's good to be here. Um, and it's good to be in a house of the Lord. It's good to be with believers. Um, it's amazing that we were talking with Alex before the service about how much um, openness, hospitality, yes, hospitality, how long hospitality can go when you allow somebody to enter your you know, comfort zone and use the things that you use, you know, maybe not brush teeth with your brush, but um, just you allow them to, to use, to be around you, to, to be exposed to your lifestyle. Um, and and uh, it just, it's huge. It does a lot more than we can even think or imagine. Um, it impacts people, it changes people, it works in a way that we don't fully understand. Um, and my desire is that, that the culture here would be the same way. That people coming here would feel that they are welcomed here. That they are needed here, that they want it here, that um, people are open to them. And um, it starts with me. It starts with all of us. Uh, when we stretch out a hand to another person and we welcome them, we go out of the way, out of my comfort zone, right? Um, and probably I'm, I'm kind of excited about this. Like I said, we were talking about this with Alex. Uh, we have some friends over right now, and uh, it's unique. You know, it's unique. It's different. It stretches you in a certain way to be hospitable. Um, and it, I think it's healthy. It's, it's good for us. We're going to begin our service here, um, service of worship, service of uh, listening to the Word and, and um, worshiping God first of all and then um, hearing what he, has to t what he has for us, what He prepared for us through the brothers. Uh, brothers are going to be speaking and uh, we will be listening. I'm going to read a passage. It's in Luke 16.10. Uh, before we pray... Uh, and uh, Jesus speaking, he says, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Very familiar passage, right? Very familiar passage. Um, and I was pondering about certain things even today. The culture around us promotes and preaches um, preaches a certain message. The you are unique, your strengths, and you have the power to impact the world. 
you guys ever hear that message? Do you think that's a biblical message? I'm not going to go there. My question is, or my thoughts are, are, are this. If you count uh, people that impacted the world practically, do you think there's a lot of people, a lot of those people? I think I can count probably on my fingers that really changed the world. On my probably toes too. I'll need to take my shoes off to count all of them. But my point is that there are not a lot of people that changed the world. And with 7 billion people, the chances that you're going to change or I'm going to change the world are not that high. Let's be honest. Let's just be completely honest. But with the message that we hear, that you have to, you need to impact the world. People always feel that they're underperforming, that they're not making a difference, that the little things that you've asked me to do, to put out the chairs before the service, that's not impacting the world. I got to do something big, something greater. You know, being faithful in, in the little things, putting up audio, serving in a worship group, uh, printing the bulletins. I'm just, just pointing the things that we're accustomed here. You know, the person that records our audio um, recordings of the youth services, I was talking to him. He's been doing that since 2014. That's five years every Tuesday. And he was telling me, Dennis, it's hard. It gets really tough to be faithful in that little thing. And the question is, what is more important to God? That you strive to change the world? You always seek something more? Or do you remain faithful where God placed you and what God entrusted you today? Like today in the service, when you go home, whatever you are doing today. And when I read Luke 6 and 10 and, and, and the words of Jesus, I don't know what, what they represent to you or what echoes in your heart. He who is faithful in a very little thing. What is very little thing to you? Think of the very little thing that you consider in your life. Jesus said, if you're faithful in that, is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. And I think we, when I'm analyzing my life, I try to see the big things, right? I try to see the big things, what I need to fix, this, that, or what I need to be faithful in or, or, or focus on or do. Oh, I need to do more of this. I need to hang out more with these people. 
I need to do this and that. Um, but the very little things that God entrusted us today, I think it takes patience. It takes reflection. It takes time with God, one-on-one -on -one time with God, to analyze and say, those are the little things that God entrusted me today. My brothers, my sister, that are struggling possibly, that I can serve on a daily basis. My coworkers, the people around me that are in school, um, right? The very little things that we consider very little things is what um, Jesus likes to see faithfulness. Is where Jesus likes to see faithfulness. And everyone got so excited. Yes, that's exciting to be faithful in those little things. I think it is exciting. I believe it is so exciting that God is on a hunt for faithful people. God is looking for a faithful person. He's seeking for him. He says, who is faithful that I can give him more? I can use him for my glory. Who is that faithful person? Where is he? And my desire, my desire is to be faithful in the very little things. And I hope that you will come to realization that it is pleasing to God when we are faithful in His kingdom, in the things that He trusted us. Because it's an upside-down kingdom. God looks at things differently. The big things that we impress us does not impress Him. It's the little things that He is impressed with our faithfulness. May the Lord bless us. Let's arise. Praise God. Praise God. <clears throat> um, at about 729, I was kind of under the impression that I'd be speaking to the worship group and a couple brothers here, but I'm really happy to see all of you guys here tonight. We kind of put out less chairs just to kind of create the atmosphere that was a lot more of us, even though it's probably the same as typical Tuesdays, but I'm glad we're all here, so praise God. And before I jump into my sermon, uh, how many of you like a cup of warm water on a hot day? Just raise your hands. Can I see a raise of hands? Okay, Roman, uh, Bogdan, okay, two of us, right? On a hot day, what do we like? We like cold water. We like, you know, a nice cold lemonade, you know, whatever you like, right? And what about on a cold day? What do we like on a cold day? Do we like tea? Do we want that tea to be warm or do we want it to be hot? We want it to be hot. Amen. Uh, so you guys can kind of just, you know, create this idea in your head. What, what am I going to preach about tonight? Uh, I'd like us to go to the book of Revelation. And before I read the passage, um, I just want to give a quick backstory to 
to what I'm about to uh, preach about. So John, John the beloved disciple of Jesus, he's, he's exiled on the island of Patmos for, for preaching about Christ. And uh, <clears throat> we see in Revelation um, chapter 1, verse 9, he says, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So John is on this island, and he's, he's in the Spirit one day, and the Spirit of God comes to him and says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is, and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. And he instructs John, and he tells him, I want you to write to these seven churches that are in Asia, and I want, I want you to tell them what I'm about to tell you. And the seven churches, we all know them. They are Ephesus, Smyrna, forgive me if I mispronounce some of these, Pergamus, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And each of these churches had a special message tailored to their need. Each of these churches either had a condemnation from God, they either had a commendation, meaning uh, you did something good. There's something good in this church. And each of these churches also had a set of instructions from God. And each of these churches also had, um, they had a promise that if you, if you follow these instructions, God will, uh, will give you a promise that he will fulfill to, the, to you. And I want to focus on one of these churches. And this is the church of Laodicea. And um, we all know this church. This is the church that was lukewarm. And the reason I asked you why um, you guys like warm water on a hot day, you don't. So I'm going to talk about the church of Laodicea, the lukewarm church. So let's open up to Revelation chapter 3, verse um, 14 through 22. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I could wish that you were hot or cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that, in white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and annoy your eyes with the eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Uh, as we know that um, God, God was writing these letters to the churches, and he wasn't writing to unbelievers. These churches, they were all believers. All of these churches knew about Christ. All of these churches, you know, followed Christ in one way or another. And all of these churches were, were believers. And... To the church in Laodicea, God, God starts off by asserting his power. He says, 
These things says the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And to every church that he, he opens up, he starts, he, he starts off by saying, you know, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the one that, that rules over you. And he, he's kind of saying, look, this is, I, I have authority over this church. You are, uh, you are my church, and I want you to, to do the things that I, I want for you. And um, God, God wants to reveal himself to the church in Laodicea. But the church in Laodicea, they're, they're, they're indifferent about it. They're, if, uh, I read a little bit of the history of Laodicea, and this, this uh, church was kind of situated on, kind of like on the coast, and they were known for having, you know, all of these fine, uh, they were known for growing these sheep, and these sheep produced this very fine wool that created all these great garments, and they were known for having so much gold and silver and all of these beautiful things, and, and uh, they were kind of like, they were content with it. They were content with being how they were, you know. They were rich. They were powerful in somewhat. And, and God sees their, their state of lukewarmness, and he says, you are neither hot nor cold. I will vomit you out of my mouth. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Can we understand for a second what, what God's heart is towards, towards people that are lukewarm? I will vomit you out of my mouth. In order to vomit, you have to be sick, right? In order to vomit, you have to, to dislike something very, very much. And God looks at this church in Laodicea and he says, I will vomit you. I want to vomit you out of my mouth because of the state that you are in. And God is speaking to us. And he's saying, church, I will, I, the state that we are in, I want to vomit you out of my mouth because I do not like the way that you are living. And um, we all know these Christians, not us, obviously. We are great people. We believe in Christ. We are on fire for Him. But we all know the Sunday Christians, amen? We all know the people that show up on Sunday, carry around their Bibles, and make sure everybody sees that they highlight their Bible, and they, they walk around, how are you, brother? Nice to meet you. Hello, everybody. And then they... they all week they're MIA, who knows where they are. They come back the next Sunday, hello brother, how are you? You know, I got my Bible with me, hello, how are you? And, and God looks at this, these kind of people and says, you're not living for me, you're not dedicating your life to me. You're living a life of indifference, of apathy, you don't care. And uh, let's look at verse 17, because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. So oftentimes, even, I speak this to myself, first of all. I say this to myself. So oftentimes we get caught up in trying to create our own ambitions, trying to create our own status to like, you know, puff up our ego and say, uh, I don't need, you know, I don't need God. I have, I have a great car. God blessed me with a house. I have a, wife, family, money, I have financial wealth, you know, I'm good, I'll, I'll just show up on Sunday morning, sing a couple songs, and I'll just be content with the way that I'm living. God looks at this and says, and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. He's looking at this church in Laodicea, and all of their riches, and all of their power, and all of their 
might. And he's saying, look at yourself. Look at yourself. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. And God says, how can you be my church when you are living like this? Leonard Ravenhill once said, um, our Christian walk is kind of like a, climbing a mountain. We climb a mountain and we get to this plateau. And there are higher mountains ahead of us, but we, we, we camp out in this plateau. We say, this plateau is fine. You know, it's nice weather here. There's no wind. I'll just camp out here, you know. God does not like that. And if we... Uh, look throughout, uh, if we read uh, chapter 2 and chapter 3 of um, Revelation, and we read to each of the churches that God addresses, he has, a, he has a condemnation, commendation to each church, except the church of Laodicea. He has nothing good to say about this church. The only thing he has to say about this church is, is a condemnation. And, and he follows this by saying, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and annoy your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. We talk about storing up treasures in heaven. We talk about, you know, creating all of these, all these wealth in heaven. And God looks at this church in Laodicea and says, you have nothing stored up in heaven. All of your riches here on earth are, are nothing but ashes and stubble compared to the treasures that you need to have stored up in heaven. And God says, come, buy from me. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. God is telling this church in Laodicea, you need to buy this because I'm looking at you and there's, I, have, I see nothing in you. And he says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. I look at our church today and I say, God, how are, how are we? How are we? compared to the church to Laodicea? Do we live a life of indifference? Do we come to church and are spectators to, to everything that's going on? We just come to church because our friends go to church. We come to church because, you know, our parents made us come to church. And God says to the church in Laodicea, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. To be zealous means to be on fire. To be zealous means to, to give your all, your all. To be zealous means to surrender everything that you have inside of you and give it over to Jesus and say, God, I, I don't have anything to offer you except my life. And I want through my life to glorify your name. And he's telling this church, I want you to be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. It's interesting. God, God is standing on the outside of the church. He's standing on the outside of the church, and he's knocking to get in. He didn't have a place in the manger. He didn't have a place in the inn. 
He didn't have a place to be buried. He had to use a, a borrowed tomb. And now we see in the church of Laodicea, he's yet again outside of this church. He has no place in this church. And I'm looking at this church and I'm saying, why, why would you turn away from, from the one thing that, that was your first love? He says, I, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and I'm knocking. And he's knocking to our hearts. He's knocking to the church's hearts. He's knocking to our youth's hearts and saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and whoever opens this door, I will come in with him and dine with him and he with me. Isn't that beautiful? Don't we want God to dine with us? Don't we want God to, to come into our hearts, to enter our hearts, and to, to take lordship over our hearts? Verse 21, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with him, to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. What does it mean to be an overcomer? What does it mean to overcome the world? Apostle John instructs us in 1 John that whoever, 1 John chapter 5, let's go ahead and read it. Um... For whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And uh, I also want to read First John chapter 4, 4, verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. God is telling the church in Laodicea, my spirit dwelled in you at one point. My spirit dwelled in you at one point where, where my power had authority over, over this church. And he's saying that the spirit that dwells in you, the spirit that dwells in us, when we have the spirit of God, will help us overcome, will help us overcome being indifferent, will help us overcome being being uh, ignorant will help us overcome being lukewarm because once we have the Spirit of God inside of us, we can no longer be indifferent. When we have the Spirit of God inside of us, we can no longer take Christ and just put Him off to the side anymore. We can't do that anymore because the Spirit of God burns inside of us. And when He's inside of us, we live led by the Spirit. We live filled by the Spirit. We live Filled with the Spirit just 24-7 because the Spirit of God dwells inside of us. And God encourages the Laodicea church to buy from Him treasure. God is encouraging all of us to be zealous. And not only encouraging us, He's also telling us to repent. And I tell this to myself first because I know I have been a lukewarm Christian at points in my life. I know I have been a Christian where I was indifferent about the things of God. I looked upon his word and I said, you know, I have better things to do. You know, the guys are out playing volleyball and it's a nice day out. I'll go play volleyball. Not that it's bad, right? You know, it's good to play volleyball, be physically active. But when, when our worldly ambitions and our worldly actions take first control in our life, take the priority away from 
reading the Bible, from praying, from being in the Spirit, from being filled with the Spirit. That's when God says and looks at us and says, you are lukewarm. I will vomit you out of my mouth. God doesn't want that for us. God wants us to be filled with the Spirit. God wants us to, to be zealous for Him. And my encouraging word for you tonight is, if we realize that in our hearts that we have been indifferent towards Christ, if we have been ignorant, we have been lukewarm, and we haven't been spending enough time with Him, that our work, our, our, our hobbies, our actions, just everything has taken over our pursuit of Christ, then we need to repent. And I'm telling this to myself first, I need to repent as well. So, I'll read the last verse, uh, verse 22. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Once again, God is addressing the church and says, he who has an ear, let him hear. We all have ears. We all hear. And we can be one of two things. We can turn away his, his voice, or we can accept our, our, in our hearts that we are wrong. We are wrong sometimes. And it's okay to say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for placing you on a lower pedestal. I'm sorry for, for living my life in, in such ignorance of you. It's okay to say that. God, look, look upon you and say, I forgive you. I forgive you. And every time I remind myself that God forgives us, God has mercy on us, it does not mean that we have to continue living our lives in this indifferent state. It does not mean that we have to continue camping out on this plateau of indifference. There are mountains ahead of us. There are still obstacles that we have to overcome in our Christian lives. We are still growing as Christians. Our whole lives that we're going through, we are growing. And we will not stop growing until the day that we die. Until that we, we meet Christ in eternity, we will not stop growing as Christians. So, in this prayer, let's ask God, first of all, forgive us, Father. Forgive us for being for being ignorant. Forgive us for being lukewarm towards your, your Holy Spirit, towards your Word. Help us spend more time in your Word, more time in your being filled with the Spirit, more time being led by the Spirit, more time in prayer. Amen? Let's pray. Добрый вечер всем. Слава Господу! Слава Господу, что мы живем в таком хорошем месте, живем в самой лучшей стране, самое лучшее у нас город, самая лучшая церковь. Бог благословил нас. Вы согласны, что Бог благословил нас? Кого Бог благословил? А чем вас Бог благословил? Чем вас Бог благословил? Чем? A lot of things, да? Ну, конкретнее, скажите, чем вас Бог благословил? Вот если я вас бы увидел первый раз, вы сказали, Бог меня, Алекс, Бог меня благословил. Чем вас Бог благословил? What kind of blessings did you receive from the Lord? 
Как? Life? Кто-то сказал life, да? Правильно? Окей, окей, life. У кого birthday сегодня, нет? Никого нет? Это ж life, это наша жизнь, да? Хорошо. А кто знает, что он спасен? You know that you are saved. That comes from the Lord. God gave you salvation. А кто любит Слово Божие? Кто читает Его как хлеб? Это Слово Божие. Никто не может Его вам дать, кроме, слова, кроме Бога. А кто крещен Духом Святым? Кто крещен Духом Святым? Вы получили крещение Духа Это дар с неба, который дал Бог. Мы благословены в Господе. И даже то, что мы сейчас можем говорить, это еще только маленькая часть. Наше благословение, our treasure, is in heaven. Дайте я другой вопрос спрошу. А чем мы, вот что мы можем дать Господу? Как? Time, да? Окей. Okay. Что еще? Что мы можем дать Господу? Ourselves? Окей, okay, хорошо. То есть, наверное, ты... What do you mean by ourselves? That's, that's wonderful answers. What's that? Oh, die for ourselves, for probably our desires, and live for Him, for His will, right? Окей, я согласен. Ты, в принципе, все ответы правильные говоришь сразу. Я думал, кто скажет. The most precious thing that we can give to God, and He actually needs that, He cannot steal that from you. It's your life. And life is made of time. Now the next question will be, how much time do you spend with God? How much time do we spend quality time with the Lord? And what I want to say is that if we want to serve in our lives and to be blessed by the Lord, we need to give something. We need to sacrifice something. And the most precious thing that you have, everybody has, is time. I'm actually kind of jealous of you because you have more of that stuff than I do. We were with my friends somewhere and, and one of them was sitting like, you know what, in 15 years I'm going to be 50. And I'm like, in 12 years I'm going to be 50. That's scary. <laughs> you have time. And what's interesting is that you have the most precious time of your life now when you're young. Because generation is formed from about seven years old to 25, maybe 30. And then you'll just move with your generation and you will be who you are. The image, the kind of the idea of that generation will get in the history And you will be called generation of whatever, Gen Z, the whatever. But what's interesting is that we are not patient enough when we are young. I don't want to brag about anything, but I'm so thankful to my parents, first of all, and to God, first of all, and then to my parents, that they taught me certain things. My mom told me, my dad told me, you have to pray for your wife. I was like 13, 14, and I started praying. I don't think I was that serious. My kids were serious. They were like two, three, and they started praying about husbands and wives. But I wasn't that serious, you know. I got serious when I was like, I don't know, 18, 
I was like really serious when I turned 26. I was like, Lord, give me grace. And the Bible says, you know, that wife is the grace from the Lord. That's quote, unquote, you know, that's what it says in the Proverbs. But you have to be faithful in what you do. You have to be faithful in little. Today, brothers, we're reading. You have to be passionate about certain things in your life. And prayer in reading the Bible is not boring if you love God. Amen? If you love Him, it's not boring. If you think that it's boring, there's something wrong with your religion, something wrong with your faith. It's not that faith that Brother Andre was reading about. Whoever is born of Him overcomes this world. And the victory that overcomes this world is our faith. Who overcomes the world? But the one who believes or has faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so today I want to encourage you. I'm not going to preach a long sermon, but I just want to encourage you to dedicate your time for God. You do well, brothers and sisters, not to say that you are not doing in fact, I probably, I don't know your life. You may be spending much more time with God than I do. Praying, crying before Him, walking with Him, living Him day by day, minute by minute. God bless you. But I still believe that we need to encourage each other. Amen? We need to encourage. That's the reason why we get here at least once, twice, three times a week. And we want to hear something encouraging. And the scripture is the most encouraging message. The word of the Lord. Now, I'll start with something that is not really encouraging. It's a story that you have to use your imagination. It's in Ezekiel chapter 37. I'll actually read 14 verses, and it's about something that you will not see that picture on a daily basis. So, pay attention. Ezekiel chapter 37. Here's what's happening with one of the prophets, major prophets in the Old Testament, Ezekiel. He says the following. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. I apologize. I forgot that. <sighs> the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them around about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Oh Lord, God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin. And put breath in you that you may come alive, and you will know that I'm the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from four winds of breath and breathe on these slain, that they come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life, 
and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up uh, out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I'm the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come out of your graves, my people. I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. Amen. This situation that is described here is pretty desperate. When I came here, I was, uh, I was pretty much witnessing something. Empty chairs, you know, what Andrew saw, Andre saw today. Except one person, I think Bogdan was here. Um, and and um, that's nothing comparing to what Ezekiel saw. He saw the field full of bones. If you would come here to the youth and you would see skeletons sitting here, you know, on the chairs. You know? And you would have to do worship and you would have to preach and you would have called them to repentance. I think I would don't have that much faith. But the Lord says that conditions of his people were even worse. They were in the graves. They were completely dry. How dead, more dead can you be if it's just the bones? There is not even rotten flesh. There is nothing. There's just bones. And that's a condition sometimes we feel like that in our lives. Or maybe you're in a situation right now in your life where you're like so dried up. And that happens to the people who used to be fighters, who used to be warriors of the Lord. Because the Lord says that it was eventually a great army. God's purpose is to put you in the army of His people. He don't want you to stand on alone. He don't want you to be dry. He wants you to be in the body of Jesus Christ. And the body of Jesus Christ is alive and He is achieving His purpose on the earth. God expands His kingdom. It's beautiful. We don't see it, but if we just think about it, every day thousands and hundreds of thousands actually come to the Lord. 20,000 new believers every day in India. Praise God. Praise God. These are like people who were really dead spiritually and they're coming to God. We just don't see these things and we like, we eventually start begin thinking like, oh, I don't have power, I don't have prayer, I don't have hope. And the Lord says, you prophesy, he says to Ezekiel, you tell these people, you tell these people who have, we are cut off. And you know what? These people were not lying. Israel was at this time was in captivity. They were in exile. They were in different land. They've done something where they deserve this condition. And there's sometimes in your life things that are consequences of the sin. And you deserve it. Honestly, you deserve it. No matter what people tell you, how unique you, you may be or things like that. Or, you know, you have hope, you have grace. Yes, you do, but you deserve and I deserve to reap the consequences 
of our sins. And when we get to the point, the scripture says clearly, it's in Psalms, I believe Psalm 32 or 31, in English it's 32, where David says that when I kept silent, Psalm 32 verse 3, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. In one translation it says, my bones wasted away. That's how we end up in situations where we don't feel God's presence and we cannot change that on our own. When we are silent, when we are hiding, I'm the witness to you. When I'm silent, when I'm covering up sin, I might even pray like, Lord, forgive me for being angry. Things like, I have to be honest, Lord, I messed up. I was mad at my kids. I was doing this. I was saying this. I was looking at that stuff. I was doing this and this. I have to be very transparent. I have to be honest. And David says, when I was not that honest, he's actually talking about time when he killed somebody's husband, Uriah, when he was uh, an adulterer, and he kept silent for nine months. The baby was born, and then the prophet comes to him and says, you're a sinner. He's like, yes. And then he sings this psalm. He's like, I was silent. I, my body wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night, your hand was very heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away, as with the fever heat of summer. That's one of the reasons why we suffer, why we lose in our battle in the spiritual warfare, if we have a sin. And the easiest way, it's easy for me to tell you, you know, just confess, you know, say, I know how hard it is. But you, at least you have to be honest with yourself. If you're afraid to come and confess to somebody, if you're afraid to tell your parents, if you're afraid to, you know, say that I stole something or I was doing this or I, I was sinning with some, at least come to the Lord today, tonight, and say honestly, Lord, I pray that you will send me your grace and your help. And the grace, I'm not saying that, Lord, forgive me. That's one thing. But if you're fighting and you cannot leave the sin, you need to pray for grace. You need to pray for a person who will come to you as Nathan prophet came to David and he told him directly, you're a sinner. And believe me, if you're honest before the Lord, two things might happen. You either yourself, you come out and say, I, I'm, just, I'm just tired. The Lord, who cares? I don't care. It's embarrassing, but I confess my sin. And you come to the pastor, you come to the parents, you come whatever, and you confess your sin. And you will hear God's encouraging voice, you're my son and my daughter. He's not going to say, oh, so you came finally, now you're going to suffer. Or he can send someone to you. That happened in my life too. This is practical stuff. He would send to me people who would preach to me or talk to me or say something to me, and I would confess the sin. But that's one of the sin, uh, things why we need to not just pray, not just do something, but confess and, and the Lord will start the process of uh, resurrection from the dead. Another thing, another reason, it might not be a sin, but it says in the scripture that uh, Proverbs 17, 22, that sometimes it's something in our spirit. Verse 22, 17:22. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up what? 
the bones. A broken spirit drives up, uh, dries up the bones. Broken spirit is when you lost a view or focus on the purpose in your life. If you don't see a purpose, why you study, why you work, why you go to church, you will eventually dry up and you will not live the life that God destined for you. Broken spirit is when you lose that hope, when you don't see the purpose, why you do what you do. And uh, it's not an easy solution, but God reveals His purpose through the Word. So if you want to find hope, you need to start reading the Word. You need to start with the basic stuff. The Scripture says this prophet was prophesying. He didn't say, boom, and you will be a new person. He says, at first bone came to bone. It was not a man. It was not alive yet. There was no breath. But certain things started happening to life. You read this word and it's still dry to you. It's like bones come together, but there's no life. You're like, read these verses and you don't get it. But you still start there. I was driving the, uh, down south to Olympia. and Probably those of you who travel that uh, direction. Somebody put this poster need hope, burn TV, read the Bible. You know, usually like need, you know, need hope, find Jesus. But I was like, that's so true. Throw out the junk, spiritual junk food, start reading the Bible. There's no other magic way. Come to the Lord, start doing something. So when you don't see that purpose, best way is to start with the basics of the Bible. Open Ephesians chapter 6. God, I don't know the purpose in my life. It says, children, be obedient to parents. And you start doing very simple stuff. You start obeying your parents. Like how more spiritual that can be. Just listen to your mom and your dad and agree to them. I know you will still disagree, but just agree with them. You know, like, yes, I will do it. This is stupid. I will still do it. This is ridiculous. I will do it. And then all of a sudden you feel like, God is speaking to you. It's like, good job. Now, next thing, keep listening to your parents or love your siblings or do something simple. But what happens actually, you get trained spiritually. And as the scripture says, Jesus told to his disciples, my sheep hear my voice. That takes, that's how you make that habit. That ha takes some time. You just said that the best thing, the most precious thing in your life is your time. I agree with you. Give it to the Lord. Start reading His Scripture and meditating it. And when you do that, here in this beautiful picture, when God says, prophesy the Word, the Word is not enough. What this army of dead people needed, they needed the breath or they needed the Spirit. It actually, we cannot really feel it in English translation on Russian, but if you read in the original, I'm not reading original, but I'm checking on these words. There are 10 times this word ruach or the spirit, and it's translated in our translation as breath, spirit, but actually basically same thing, spirit. What actually makes the change, what changes people's lives is the spirit of the Lord. It's not enough 
just to read the scripture. It's not enough just to come to prayers and pray with someone. Because what happens when you pray with someone, you feel good, you feel like you have the power or there's power of God and that's true, something happens around you, but you don't have that foundation. You don't live with the Word of God. And if you read the Word of God, if you study, if you go to Bible college, if you do all the right stuff, but you don't pray, you are still dry. So in order for God to work in your life, in order for Him to reveal His purpose to you, you need to do something. You need to start prophesying. You say, Alex, I'm not a prophet. I agree. What the scripture says, you need to take God's word, God's promise, and repeat it and say it in your life. So you know, prophesy that in your life. Literally say that. Я, Алекс, живущий под кровом Всевышнего. Я подкоюсь под сенью всемогущего. When I say these words, I already feel like this is such a power. Because that's the truth. That's God's word. And when it comes to your life, when you associate yourself with it, when it becomes part of you, part of your identity, as the scripture says, you eat it as bread. You swallow it, you chew on it, you think on it, you meditate. Next thing, God brings you to the right place. And He always will bring you to the church and to other believers. Because when you read this, it was not just one man who was dead. It was not two or three. It was a big army. And then all of a sudden, you're like, okay, so the purpose in my life actually is not about me and what I will achieve and what I will do and what God wants me to do. The purpose, the eternal purpose cannot be in the person who is mortal. The, pers- the purpose, eternal purpose for Alex is outside of me. It's not about my life. It's about something that God does in this world. And I can be part of it. And I know that God actually has a place in his kingdom in his glorious purpose, when he brings the holy people together in his body, he prepares the church, there's a place for Alex, for me. And then all of a sudden I realized that why should I be depressed? I actually have opportunity to go to the hospital and pray for someone, not just for me, not just for my needs, for someone who is young as me and has cancer. You know who I'm talking about? If you know, maybe the Holy Spirit tells you, you do it. And then all of a sudden you realize that, yes, you can go to the youth choir and you can sing. And it's not just about you, how you will feel, how they will think about me. Do I look okay? Do I I get to travel with the choir and so on and so forth? It's about God. I serve Him. And then all of a sudden you have the hope. You have the hope that comes from the Lord. Amen? So what, what are we talking about? If we're in place where we feel dry spiritually. That's normal. That's not normal and you don't have to, you should not stay at that place, but it happens. And there are two reasons. One, there might be a sin in your life. Repent. There may be a lost purpose. You don't see the vision in your life. You need to start reading God's word. You need to make this a habit for your life. I'm reading his word. I'm doing this on a regular basis. And I go to the congregation or like you are today of people who pray 
in the Spirit. And I guarantee you that you will not regret in your life, you will not regret years down the road that you dedicated your time, you dedicated your life to the Lord. God will bless you and He will send you everything what you need. You need husband, you need wife, you need a career, you need blessing in this. We don't even have that faith in things that God prepared for us. Simple things. I, I still remember almost 20 years ago, I came to this country. I was 20 years old. I came to this country. My aunt was driving and I'm sitting in her van, Dodge Caravan, and we're talking about something and, and she's like, you will go to the college. I'm like, no, I don't think I'll go to college. <laughs> Hopefully, I will get in this ESL track. And she's like, you will graduate with a bachelor's. I'm like, no, no, no. Years down the road, I have two masters. I have bachelor's. I have another degree. I have things that happen in my life. But I had to believe in it. I had to take that and I had to be faithful and I had to dedicate my life, my energy, and do this for the Lord. And when I've done that, I'm witness of God's grace. God can do the miracles. He can revive the bones. He can give the life. He can give you the hope. Amen? Мы молились уже за нужды, молились за благодарности. Давайте, знаете, что мы помолимся? Давайте помолимся за молодежных лидеров. Помолимся за наших братьев. Денис вышел, мы помолимся за него. И помолимся за наших миссионеров. Это друзья наши, они там на миссии, а мы здесь будем их благословлять. Хорошо? Встанем и помолимся, закончим это служение.